You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. At Ern, Ohio, last night, their eldest daughter, Brittany, was getting married. And so you can imagine what their lives have been like for the last couple of weeks, preparing for that, that wedding. And uh, there's no one more disappointed than me that he's not here preaching. And uh, so I just want to let you know that. Uh, tonight, we have a special, very, very special uh, film. It's called Home Run that we're going to be playing here in uh, the sanctuary. It's about two hours long. It's a powerful message. It really has an unbelievable um, focus on the, the ministry of Celebrate Recovery. And uh, so if you have a friend... If you have a neighbor, if you have someone you work with, I not only encourage you to be back here at 6 o'clock, but um, why don't you bring that friend with you. We have even some free tickets out there in the lobby where you could just use that as an invite. Hand it to them. It'll show the address here. Maybe they can meet you here. You could sit together and watch that. So that's tonight, 6 o'clock here in the sanctuary. wanted to make sure to give that announcement. Uh, Celeste Miller is going to come and open the word at this time by reading Psalms 1. Our scripture today is from Psalms 1. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked, or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. That person is like a tree, planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Not so the wicked. They are like chaff that the wind blows away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked leads to destruction. Thank you very, very much. Let's pray. Father, I really believe that this passage of Scripture has something for us, not just to know, but to do. I just pray that you would help uh, my mind to be faithful, to communicate the truths here that you have taught me and are still teaching me uh, because I'm still a learner. All of us are on this journey of learning your ways. Thank you for loving us and thank you for being present right now with us as we study and as we listen to you. Amen. Um, Psalms 1, the very first Psalms in the Bible, by most biblical scholars, they describe the Psalms as very, very important. Matter of fact, they say it really is a synopsis of all the Psalms. It is an introduction. It is a thesis statement. It is talking about what all the Psalms are trying to communicate to us and the message that is to us to live by. And so as we study Psalms 1, then, we, we look at the words understanding the importance in the overview of God's Word. Uh, the very first word is blessed. Blessed. It's probably, not, it's probably not a term that we use very often. 
We probably don't go up and say, well, I hope you have a blessed day, or I hope that you're not blessed, or I hope you are blessed. Uh, probably there is some definitions that would help us maybe better understand really what that word blessed means to our life even today. In Hebrew, it's barak. In Greek, the word for blessed is eulogitos. And um, really, it's where we get the word from eulogy from, or good words, good words about a person's life. Um, blessed means to celebrate with praise, to make happy, to bestow, bestow blessings on favored by God. Blessings on someone. This is probably my favorite definition that describes blessedness to me. Having happy, peaceful soul. Happy, peaceful soul. Matter of fact, the uh, living version of all the Beatitudes would use the word happy is this man. Happy is this person. Happy is this person. And so really happy is, is a, a significant part of what blessing really means. But it's deeper than just some emotion. It's deeper than just feeling good. It's called happy, having a peaceful soul. It describes uh, different things in this chapter. It describes people not to be like. It says, don't stand in the way of the wicked. Don't walk in the way of the wicked. Don't sit in the way of the wicked. It gives us some instructions of things not to do in this particular Psalms. It also talks about a word that I really love. It's called delight. It's delight, it's enjoy, it's to be focused, it's to embrace. It's a, it's a positive word. And it says, delight in the laws of the Lord. Now, it's not talking about going to the, the book in the Bible that has all the do's and don'ts. When, he, when he's speaking of delighting in the laws of the Lord, it's taking, it's taking the whole message of God's word and its promises. Specific promises made to you and me. Very specific and, and literally applying those, those promises to our lives. And that's what we are supposed to delight in. That's what we're supposed to meditate on day and night. And then it uses an image, a picture. What does this really look like when this happens? When someone really delights in the law of the Lord, when they meditate on his principles of living... It describes him like a planted tree by a stream of water. And it goes through the seasons and the leaves do not wither. And in the proper time it produces fruit and it's healthy. Um, about 15 years ago, Doug Forsberg was on staff here and he was speaking on a Sunday night. And that Sunday night he was speaking on our responsibilities as Christians uh, to the earth that God has given us. And so he talked about a lot of great things. And at the end, he said, I've got 600 tree seedlings that I want to give away tonight. And I want you to take it home. And I want you to plant a tree in your yard. And that is part of being embracing, really, what God might be giving you as a responsibility on this earth. So I took my seedling. And it was probably about six inches tall. And I took it home. And I, I, I dug a hole. And... And I planted it, and I watered it, and I put fertilizer on it. And it would grow about a half inch a year. And, and so for the first five years, I looked at this little scrawny tree. 
And, uh, and I'm sure my neighbors were driving by and said, oh, that guy's pitiful. You know, look at that tree. It's just, it's not doing anything. And I kept on watering it, kept on giving fertilizer, and, and it was growing the half inch to an inch a year. But something happened. Something happened about year six. And the root of that little, little seedling must have gone down deep enough to connect to some, uh, what, Really, in Bethany, we have a lot of upper water levels. And even when it's not raining, there's water flowing down in the ground. And all of a sudden, the root of this little tree tapped into that. And it shot up about three feet a year. And so now, if you go by where that tree is planted, it's, it's about 30 feet tall. And I look at that live oak and I say, wow. Wow, what a difference it makes when it's plugged into an unlimited stream of water and nourishment and health. That's what we're talking about here. Delight in the law of the Lord. Meditate on them day and night. It's talking about finding some other source to plug into that no matter what happens in life, we have the resources that we need. Uh, in May, my wife, she's sitting right over here, she's reading a book, and it's about a diet. And the name of the diet was The Virgin Diet. And I looked at her and I said, what? And she said, yes, it's written by a woman by the name of J.J. Virgin. So the diet is named after her. And she said, what it really does is that you eliminate seven things that people normally eat because maybe you have a reaction to them or they, uh, your body doesn't uh, digest them well. And it just so happens that a lot of them are the things I really love, like sugar and sweets, uh, bread, uh, you know, gluten. Uh, it was talking about uh, corn. It uh, mentioned dairy. And it mentioned seven things. You eliminate those for seven weeks. And not the purpose is really losing weight. That's not what your really purpose is. It, the purpose of this is to be healthier and to find out what foods and how it affects you and to be able to decide then what you should eat and um, to be healthy. And so I went on the diet and we went three weeks. And then at the end of the three weeks, you added the seven things back that you haven't been eating. Well, one of the things I, I figured out was um, I feasted on maybe some of the wrong things. Pastor Rick has four candy bowls in his office. They're large. They're just bite-size, bite-size, you know, Butterfingers, bite-size Snickers, um, bite-size Milky Ways. And in a 30-minute meeting, I can eat uh, 2,000 calories of bite-size candy, you know. And so I was on this diet. I said, you know, I've been feasting. I've been feasting on on this candy way too much. I found out I feasted on dairy products. My wife has been telling me this for a long time, but I, I didn't really realize it. But I, I was drinking nearly a half a gallon of milk a day. Half a gallon. I love milk. I just love milk. I would drink milk with anything. But it was 2%. <laughs> um, but I was feasting. On the wrong things. And so after going on this diet, I, I, I still occasionally now drink milk. I mean, it, with my cereal. So I'm not eliminating it totally, but 
it's not a half a gallon a day. And I, and I occasionally have a sweet, and I occasionally have added these things back, but, but I'm not feasting on them like I was. And, and, and to date, three months later, I've lost 20 pounds. Whew. So I'm very, very happy about that. Uh, this scripture says, and ask, and challenges us, what does your mind feast on? What do you allow your mind to really dwell on? Is there some things that you feast on that need to be reduced? Are there some things your mind feasts on that need to be eliminated? What does your mind feast on? We tend to always think bad things, you know, the, the perverted things, but... Does your mind feast on worry? Does your mind feast on materialism? Does your mind feast on this and that? And what do you allow your mind to feast on? God said, blessed, happy. Happy is the man who feasts on the laws of God. Seeking God in His ways. There are four points I'd like to make in this message today. The very first one is that happiness is possible for you. I'm talking to some people today sitting here that have been struggling with depression maybe for a year or so. And as I read the scripture and I've, as I'm is that I'm true to the scripture, I need, I need to give you hope when maybe you've given up that happiness and peacefulness of the soul is possible for you. For some of you, maybe you just got hit with some news. Could be that your parents are getting a divorce or your spouse is leaving you or your health news has been really, really tough. I would like to remind you today from the Word of God that happiness is possible even in the midst of hurting. It's not telling you to be fake and unfeeling, but even in the midst of that pain, even in the midst of the trial that you're facing, there can be a happiness that's deep in your soul, that's even deeper than what you're facing in your storm. The second point, not only happiness is possible, but happiness is offered from the Bible in a fundamental way and not to be seen in circumstantial ways. Um, Curtis and I, my son, Sweet C, um, we are Texas Ranger fans. We've got an app. I've got an app on my phone. It's Major League Baseball. It costs $20. I can listen to every baseball game played this entire season. You know, 30 games a day. I can listen to every one of them live here. Of course, I mainly focus on Texas Rangers and who's their competition. In September, something really bad happened. The Rangers have gone into a slump. And we've gone from first to about six games behind. 
We're, we're, we are hanging in there barely in the wild card game, but every night, you know, Curtis and I would say, how in the world did we lose that game? We, we, we lost 12 of 14 in September. Now we're doing a little bit better, but we're just, we're just walking around depressed and sad. And my wife said, you guys are pitiful. You just pitiful, pitiful, you know. You're, you're taking this too serious. And we're saying, what do you mean you're taking baseball too serious, you know? This is a serious thing. Yeah, it's just affecting the way you feel and the way you think. It's making you angry. You're just so sour all the time. And I just said, well, that makes me feel sour right there, you know, just hearing that. And I knew she was right. I knew she was right. Circumstances. My team winning. Um, That's affecting even the way I feel, the way I treat other people, the way I act at work. Or at home. It's like my happiness is based on a team winning games. And then all of a sudden something happened. I, um, I got a call this week and it's from the Tucker home and went over there and Linda Tucker's mother had just passed away 15 minutes before. And, and I've been visiting there a few times in the weeks prior to that. And, and uh, there would be just a sweet spirit there. This is a Christian lady, 90 years old, ready to go be with the Lord, had a lot of health issues, uh, wouldn't communicate a whole lot, just couldn't. But when there was a song sung in the room, somehow it would just it would connect with her, and she would start mouthing the words and, and singing some of the phrases. And when the song was over, we'd ask her questions, and she wasn't able to communicate. She was really connected with God as she made the transition. And as I was sitting there in this room with her earthly remains, God said, you know, what you get all upset about and what you worry about and what you think about and what you feast on, um, when you come to a moment like this, it really doesn't matter, does it, Lewis? No. And it's like God said, I want to hit a reset button here. Let's, let's, let's straighten out what you think about. Because what you think about eventually will affect how you feel. See, what you think about is really important. It really is important. It's not just secret. It's not just you. But what you think about affects how you feel. And how you feel will eventually affect how you act. It will eventually affect, affect your behavior. So there's an unbelievable connection between thinking and feeling and acting. And let me set the reset button, Lewis. Why don't you dwell and feast on me? on my teaching and my ways and my principles and my promises and my truths. Feast your mind on these. Um, Point number three, happiness is never found directly. Uh, There's a movie that when I just need to smile and laugh, I'll put it on. It really has very little uh, value. But it's about three criminals that escape, and they're looking for treasure. 
And in the midst of their journey, as it's really a play on the Odyssey, Homer's Odyssey, but in the midst of their journey, they believe that one guy has been t- turned into a toad, a-, a frog, and they're still looking for the treasure, but now one is gone, and we, we find out that he has been recaptured by the law, and he's back in prison. And, but the other two are still seeking the treasure, seeking the treasure. And, and just out of coincidence, these two reunite with their third friend in a movie show. And, and their third friend is trying to give them a warning about the treasure. Let's see if we can see this clip right here, okay? Do not seek the treasure. We thought you was a toad. We thought you was a toad. Do not seek the treasure. Right there. Watch the picture. He was trying to warn them. Happiness is never found directly. It doesn't say, blessed are those who seek to be blessed. It said, blessed are those who are peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those that are meek. So you don't seek happiness directly. You, you seek something else of God and in exchange for that many times you're blessed and you're given happiness do not seek to be blessed directly matter of fact if it says if you're really seeking for happiness and you're also seeking at the same time for hunger and thirst for righteousness you'll probably get neither if happiness is first on your list. But if you seek in hunger and thirst for righteousness without any intention, without any motivation, I, I, I want to be happy and that's the reason why I'm doing this, but if that's your intent, if that's your purpose, you'll probably get both. You'll probably get the righteousness and the happiness both. What do you seek to make you happy. Um, in New York City, there are 20,000 20, pets, dogs, cats. And this is an article in the New York Times that was recently printed about these animals. And they were having problems with when they uh, pass away, where are they buried or who takes care of them. And is there any way, especially when you're close to, you know, Fifi or Fido, uh, you know, do you have a service and all this? And so someone got a great idea how to make money. And they went down to the Goodwill store and started buying up a bunch of um, suitcases and um, bought them for about a dollar. And, uh, and then they said, well, we provide services and we'll also take care of your body and bury the body of the uh, loved pet. And uh, this is what the cost will be. And so she would go over to the home or apartment in New York City and conduct a small service and say, we need to put Fido here in the casket. And they would open up and put it in the, uh, the suitcase. 
And then the woman would uh, say, I'll take care of the burial. And she would leave. And she would leave. And if you're in New York City, the way you get around is in the subway. And so this was her plan. She would go and stand in the subway and uh, ride around in the subway. And she would put the um, suitcase there right beside her and just hold on to a pole and just kind of gaze off and not pay attention to the suitcase. And you know what she found out? That many times, after about five minutes, she'd look down, Behold, someone has stolen my suitcase. <laughs> Shoot, now I can't bury Fido. And then she would just leave and do that again the next day and the next day. But what, what you think about is the person who stole the suitcase. Can you imagine? You know, they're getting home and say, Oh, man, I've got something good. This is heavy. And they, they, they sit out there in the live, you know, maybe in their dining room table and said, I got some good stuff tonight, you know, Ralph. And so uh, let's just kind of open this up here and we'll see what we have. And woo, you know, the smell of Fido. They were disappointed by what they found in the suitcase. Many times we're looking in the wrong suitcase for happiness. And eventually, when we open the suitcase, we're disappointed. There's nothing wrong about cars and boyfriends and, and jobs. There's nothing wrong with that. But, but when you're seeking your happiness and being elected to an office or having the date with this person or this event, or this happening, and you're counting on it bringing you happiness, there will come a day, and maybe you've already experienced it, where you're opening the suitcase, and you're disappointed. It really did not bring you happiness of the soul. And so what I'm challenging you today... I'm challenging to look for happiness in the right place. Happiness is not something that happens to you. You choose it. You remember the scripture where it's talking about don't stand, don't walk, don't sit with sinners. Uh, what they're really saying is, is where, do you, where do you put your trust? Where do you belong? What, what is it that you belong to? Where do you give your allegiance? Because where the heart is, is is usually followed by the way you live. Where do you put all your weight sitting down? Do you put it in the teachings of God? Or do you put it in what you're pursuing? Scripture says this, delight in the law of the Lord. And and um, in Jeremiah 15, 16, there's a guy who been going through some pretty tough days. Really tough days. Notice the secret that he found. Notice possibly the secret that you could find in Jeremiah 15, 16. This is what he says. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. 
Do you see what he's saying? I'm literally devouring the words of God. I'm feasting on the words of God is what he's saying. When I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are my joy. And my heart delights. For I bear your name. Do you understand what they found out about that last line? I bear your name. You bear the name of your family. You bear the name of your father. He had found an intimate relationship seeking the very words of his father to direct and guide and receive love and receive help. Right now, I need to ask you, what is your mind feasting on? How do you practice feasting on the Word of God and His laws? My children, Aubrey and Curtis, when they were younger, they would like to learn how to play the piano and guitar. And they really didn't like the lessons sometimes to practice, but sometimes I could tell when they were in a little bit of a bad mood or just wanted to be cheered up, they would go and, and play their favorite songs. And so I would walk by his room, and here's Curtis playing his favorite song and singing with the door closed. I'd walk by the living room, and here's Aubrey at the piano playing her favorite song over and over and over and over and over again. Are you playing the laws of God over and over and over in your mind where it enriches your life? where it blesses your life, where it literally even makes you happy in your soul? Why don't you practice that, meditating day and night on the words of the person who loves you most? Things like when you're worn out, his word says, come to me. Those who are tired and weary, heavy of heart, I will give you rest. When your best friends have let you down, you read scriptures about God saying, I am faithful, I love you, I will be with you always. When you're tempted to read his word and said, I'll never let you be tempted beyond what you can bear and I'll be with you and I will strengthen you and I will find a, an escape for you in that midst of that temptation. You understand, your heavenly father has sent some very special love letters to you and he wants you to meditate on these and receive power and strength and literally as one of the side effects happiness and so as we close today as we close today you choose what you think you choose how you'll feel from what you think and you choose how you'll act on what you think it starts with what you dwell about your mind feast. I'd like to have the musicians come up at this time.
and um, Marilyn, before they play and sing the song, I think I would, I'd like to switch gears here, and if it would be all right, the, the offertory is what I want you to sing here in a few minutes, but I just want Marilyn to play a piano as we open the altar. And then once we have um, those that want to come, then I want you to close us with that song that you actually uh, sung and played during the offering. Come Thou Fount. You're the tree planted by God. Not happenstance, not just luck. You are planted by God by the stream. And that fount is there to feed you and to make you have a blessed life, to make you happy in your soul no matter what you're going through, no matter what the trial, no matter what the storm. You can stand. You will stand with happiness of the soul. So I'd like to open the altar, and if, if you just want to come down and pray about what you want to change in your life to meditate on, maybe God's challenged you what you're feasting on, and you would like to commit to feasting on Him and His Word and His ways, the altar's open. Maybe you have a friend you want to pray for. Maybe God's talking to you about something totally different that I don't even speak about in these verses. What's the matter about coming and talking to him about it? It's open. Let's give ourselves, let's stand, let's give ourselves about a minute. And if you'd like to respond by just coming down and talking to God, it's open to come down and talk to him.
Father, all of us need to reflect on what we feast our minds on. You have so many good things. It's going to take a lifetime to learn them all and to think about them. Teach us how much you love us. Teach us what you have for us. As we've responded to you, guide us, plant us firmly by the stream. You are a great Father. You are worthy of us thinking about. And as we leave today, change us every minute, every day, as we walk and follow you. Amen. As you leave, if you can leave quietly as those are praying. Thank you so much. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.